You are listening to the InspireWire podcast, episode 22. Welcome, Welcome to, to the InspireWire, Inspire a, a podcast, podcast where ideas are exchanged, worlds are traveled, and life is experienced. This is the InspireWire with your host, Tom Murphy. everyone welcome to episode 22 of the podcast today i have my own mom kathy murphy she's fresh off her trip from to guatemala to tutor uh travel and and volunteer down in antigua in guatemala and um we talk about a bunch of different things talking about culture mayans uh spanish all a lot of different things um and it was cool because I hadn't seen her in a month, and we got to have, we got to have a cool conversation. So, let's head to the interview. All right, everyone, I'm here with my mom, Kathy Murphy, and she is right off the plane. She's back in the U.S. She was in Guatemala for a month, um, learning Spanish. Right. That's right. Nice. All right, so um, I figured it'd be a good time to finally get a member of my family on the on the podcast to, and this is a good opportunity because she's fresh off her trip, she's learned some Spanish, got some good experiences, um, but maybe just give us a general overview of of kind of what why what um, inspired you to go down there um, and. What was the basic, what's the gist? Sure. Um, well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, My pleasure. <laughs> but um, as a background, I'm a school teacher in Worcester, Massachusetts. I teach math to 7th and 8th graders. And recently, more and more of my students um, have been coming to school speaking Spanish as their first language and lately, a lot of them are having more and more difficulty um, learning English, or they have come in with less English. And it's been a little bit frustrating for me as a teacher because I'm trying to teach them, and I can't communicate because I don't know their first language. And yeah. uh, and they're doing their best to learn, um, but a couple, you know, during the school year, I'm up there and we're talking, and some of these students are kind of like, looking around, not paying attention, and I know it's because they don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's easier to be distracted when it doesn't, you know, come naturally. You have to focus more. Right, absolutely. And, I mean, they're 12 and 13 years old, so it's pretty difficult. And uh, a couple of the Spanish teachers in my school were talking about um, go traveling to Guatemala to um, get extra credits, get another master's in Spanish, and I was like, what do you mean you're going to Guatemala? And so the story just started and it kind of was ruminating in my head that, geez, I really would like to learn Spanish. I personally love to travel. And um, there were, I checked out, so one of the teachers sent me the information for this great Spanish school. Um, you have a one-on-one -on -one tutor and like four hours a day, you can choose, but I picked four hours a day. And... Um, I could travel, and then there's also volunteer opportunities. So it sort of had all of these things that I was interested in, and that's what got me into into it. Yeah, that seems like a good opportunity. And the fact that you were a teacher and you have um, this summer, this two months where you're able to, you know, have that freedom, it's nice to be able to use that um, for, you know, a vacation opportunity. That's also something that you're learning you're learning a valuable skill and something that's not only um, good for you, but it's helping with your job and helping your, you know, your students. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and you were telling me just in the today that uh, it, it was really easy to find things to do around there um, outside of, you know, just the tutoring that you were doing. And um, so maybe, like outside of that, what what were kind kind of the activities that you kind of did? 
Sure, absolutely. Um, first of all, Guatemala is amazing. It is really beautiful. Um, we happen to be in the city of Antigua, which was originally the first capital of Central America. Um, but it's just a, a regular city like other people, you know, other countries, their cities. Um, but it was, it's so unique. It's um, all walkable. I didn't need to have a car. Um, I did go outside of the city, um, the school I volunteered at, and I took, they call them chicken buses. And what is that? Well, well basically, um, the regular school buses from the U.S., the yellow school buses, that they don't want anymore because they replace them and get new ones, they send to Guatemala. Well, I'm sure other places too, but go to Guatemala. They get all painted, decked out. They're all super colorful. And up above, they have racks on top of the bus. And that's where they would store the chickens because they would be transporting chickens. So it would be called a chicken bus. But right now, it's just their public transportation. Oh, okay. But it's kind of wild because there's these really narrow streets. They're all cobblestones. So it's pretty rickety, bumpy. Yeah. And um, they go flying through these streets. And everyone's like, I don't think I'm going to take a chicken bus. And uh, (laughs) people were super nervous. Like, they're like... Oh, it's because it's intimidating. You're learning the language. You're like, there's no, well, I couldn't find a schedule anywhere. Like, where are the bus stops? Nope. It's like, oh, yeah, that corner, two blocks down, stand there. They'll stop for you. It's like, what? Are you sure? You know, I mean, it's so different than here where you can look up Google, whatever. You can get all these schedules. So sure enough, I stood on this corner and the bus comes flying down and there's, they have two people, the driver, and then they have this, like, assistant. And he's, like, hanging out of the door of the, of the bus. Like a garbage guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, San Juan, San Juan. And I'm, like, flagging him down, yeah, because I wanted to go to San Juan del uh, de Obispo. And uh, so I hop on, and it's just a cool experience. I was really glad I had the opportunity because a ton of them, of my uh, people that I met there, they were like, you went on a chicken bus? And so they, you know, it's intimidating, but it, you got, you know, my teacher helped me out and showed me the ropes, and after that, it was no problem. Yeah, it seems like wherever you go, there's there's certain cultural nuances that you you never would be, you never would expect, but then you start to get accustomed to it, and it's like it's kind of cool and and unique in it, that way. Right, and then you're super comfortable, and they're really friendly, and but you were asking me about where I traveled, so. First of all, there's plenty to do in the city. And actually, just to give you a little background, it's kind of like, well, there's this city which seems pretty flat. Every, there are no hills in the city. However, it's completely surrounded by, like, mountains and especially three volcanoes. And two of them are active volcanoes. Um, and by active, um, they could be smoking at any time. And at night, you can see the orange color like the lava sometimes if it's not cloudy or whatever but it's kind of cool you look up and here's this volcano uh smoking yeah that's interesting you know in in the u.s we're not really exposed to that so it's it's cool to be just like oh that's just a mountain but it turns out there's you know it's pretty active and uh, lava everywhere and all that stuff. And we did have an opportunity to go on a little field trip where we climbed a different volcano that's, um, well, it erupted in 2014 and actually caused a lot of damage. How, a lot of people, like, live on the side, you know, of the volcano, and um, some people's homes were destroyed. Uh, but it hasn't been since 2014. And part of the hike, well, first of all, it's a pretty steep hike, and you're going up, and there's like avocado trees and there's the black lava that's like petrified from before but even if you dig down a little I mean he he picked up some the guide we had he picked up some of the coals and handed them to us and we couldn't even hold them that's how hot they were I mean, it was, they were extremely hot and so he how could he oh well he kind of well he's I mean he stuck them in our hands for a second. It's kind of like if you take some a hot potato out of the oven, like you pick it up and you're like, "Ooh, that's hot." So, <laughs> and he probably he does it for uh, he does a lot of these tours, so he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And um, 
so people were actually roasting marshmallows. It's I know it sounds it's kind of like a gimmick, but it was yeah, kind yeah. of just to emphasize that it's so hot. Yeah. No, that that's pretty cool. So um how uh, I should ask also uh how how have you improved Spanish wise? Well, to be honest, I I mean I I used to go around at school saying, you know, yo hablo un poquino español and <laughs> Like that actually meant, oh, I know a little Spanish, but no, I didn't really know any Spanish. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's I was, humbling it, it is for sure. And, you know, you thought like, okay, present tense, a bunch of verbs, right? you kind of learn that and you think, oh yeah, I know this. Well, there are like 15 other tenses and types of verbs and keeping them all straight. It's like the more I got to know, I was like the less I actually knew, if, if that makes any sense. But, um... I do feel like I um, got to a point where I could understand people um, and communicate with them, and they're super patient. One one of the reasons why a teacher recommended Guatemala was because uh, they speak probably a little slower or more slowly than um, in some of the other countries, like, say, Puerto Rico or um, the Dominican or something like that, and... Um, so it would be a good experience, a good way to learn there because they speak a little more slowly. And also, whoever you met up with was super helpful with, you know, saying it to you again the correct way, like if I didn't do the right tense or if I used the wrong word or they were super super helpful in a nice way of saying, oh, no, you, you know, they would just repeat it the, with the correct word. And uh, just super friendly. Um, you walk down the street. Buenos dias, you know, or Buenos tardes. It's just <laughs> saying hello, and um, it seems like that's a pattern in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries. What for whatever reason? Not that I've been to a lot of them, but it just seems the way the culture is 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 a lot more greetings and um, I don't know, just that friendly and and helpful type, you know, demeanor. Not, I I think that's true. I think that's true in a lot of places, actually. But one thing that struck me was that people come to the U.S. And I feel like a large percentage of people expect others to speak English rather than embrace the opportunity to help another person learn English. You know, it's a, yeah. we're kind of, you know, this one language group. And obviously it's changed dramatically but it's um there's not a lot of uh multi-language multilingual um US citizens. Yeah, and I don't know how open the average person is that if a person came up to you and only spoke Spanish, how how much would you go out of your way to help them learn the English? Or would you just be like, "Oh, you know, find somebody else." I don't know. It's, they're so warm in well, my experience yeah was that they were just super helpful. I mean, here we are, a bunch of people that don't speak Spanish invading their place, and they were just so happy to see us and just did everything that they could to help us. Yeah, that that must have been that must have been nice. I mean, that's the the kind of experience you want to have. Now, so you were being tutored for 4 hours um and 4 hours a day, and that was by a teacher how did it work were you like one-on-one -on -one? what what other things were you doing we were one-on-one -on -one. so okay. um they once you sign up you can register online but once you get there they say oh we have a teacher for you and what i seemed to notice was they would put you with people closer to your own age maybe so that you had more in common so that you want to talk to them but some of the younger students like there were a a lot of students that were in their 20s, um, late 20s, between 22 to 30, and some of the and they had younger teachers than I did. So I had someone who um, also happened to have two children. Her children were in their 20s, and I think that was kind of just it makes it a, a something in common, I suppose. But so the the structure of the class, you'd get there eight o'clock in the morning you know, greet each other. And then you basically would sit and just say, oh, so what'd you do last night? Because all this was in Spanish, right. you know? Yep. 
And so that way, it gave you a chance to speak and be and understand, just to have conversational Spanish, which that's one of the problems when you just go on to one of these websites or whatever it is. You don't have a lot of opportunity to actually speak. So you would do that for a while. Then we would get into, okay, today we're going to learn you know, the past tense, or we're going to learn, you know, yeah. about the different prepositions or something. But we do that for a little while. I would always get homework, mi yeah. tarea, <laughs> and um, she would assign homework. And that we then, so at some point, we'd go over the homework I had done the previous night. I also kept a journal and would try to write every night in Spanish, you know, things that I was thinking about or experiences. Like you would keep a journal on vacation. And then she would check it for me and kind of show me where, oh, the grammar might not be right or whatever. So that was another way which helped me learn. Um, but it went by pretty quick. It would be four hours. But there were some students that did six hours a day or eight hours. And uh, I don't know if it's my age or um, <laughs> I don't know what. but of, That's a lot on the, you know, you know the brain just focusing that mental energy at all times. Exactly. And I think that, you know, say say I went next year, I would have more background, I would have more um, understanding of the language, so maybe more time would be okay. But when you're just straight out learning something brand new, um, four hours was my max for sure. Yeah. I remember I when I was over in Spain doing that football thing, my coach wanted me to take lessons. So when I was doing that, um, I had to only speak in Spanish with and, and have a conversation in Spanish after, after a month or two. And that was a lot because, you know, they're talking, they're talking to you in at the normal speed and you know you're trying to pick up bits and pieces all that kind of stuff but um that's cool i mean that's that's an experience that not many people get to have the fact that you had the connection to kind of go in there and you know you were in contact with someone who's been there lived there um you were able to kind of i don't know just the fact that you were uh through this program probably gave you such a better uh, experience as a tourist compared to someone who was just going into Guatemala, stopping by, checking out the different places. It, it was a, definitely an advantage in that sense. That's true. For example, every Monday, the um, secretary at the school would submit a schedule of activities for the week because a lot of people only took lessons for four hours. So that's a lot of extra free time. So each day, like... I went to a free salsa lesson, for example, one evening. It was like an hour lesson. And um, I, as I said before, I took the hike on um, El Volcan Pacaya. Uh, another thing, I went to a jade um, factory. Jade, as far as a gem for jewelry, it's huge there. It goes back to the Mayans. But So I got to make a, my own piece of jewelry. Another thing that um, we went and took a... To a coffee farm, uh, La Finca del Café, in a macadamia nut. I mean, all these things, avocados, they grow on trees. It was super interesting. Um, the, the guy that gave us the tour, Unguia, uh, he was just super informative about how they grow, all the different troubles. I mean, it was just... The, so these all these things I'm telling you that I went to were all set up by the school. Yeah. So you had a comfort level with knowing, okay, this is something they um, support. And you didn't have to go, but there were plenty of opportunities as, as well as weekend excursions. And obviously you can go anywhere in a city, whether it's here or there, um, and say, oh, yeah, I want to take a shuttle to this, you know, this tourist attraction or this um, area. But I think you felt better knowing it was uh, organized through the school. Yeah, and uh, you, I think you also mentioned to me that you were able to go on uh, like a coffee plantation or coffee beans and kind of see how that works. It's nice to get that experience. A lot of people, like even in the U.S., don't really get to experience like learning how, you know, a certain plant grows, why it's successful in that area. 
I've, I always like learning about that because it's not whether or not you're going to be having your own garden or whatever. Um, but just learning about, um, you know, the native plants and, uh, crops that grow and why they do. And it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Well, yeah. And you find things out like, first of all, it's backbreaking work to pick coffee beans. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. And they went through the whole thing. And, and, one thing I found super interesting was that men, when they sweat, give off a particular scent. And that changes the flavor of the coffee beans. Why? Because the, the coffee beans are like trying to defend themselves when they smell it? Well, just when you're pulling it, it just gets absorbed or whatever. Oh. And uh, women do not give off that scent. So they look for women to do the picking because they don't want to change the scent of the, of the coffee. It was just a, I mean, and how did, and I even said when I was there, I was like, well, how did you figure it out that it was the men? And they're like, oh, because they know who, you know, the coffee from one group of people versus another. And it was just super interesting. And it's, it's something that's a generation after generation have been trying to grow these, uh, whatever it is. And it's just interesting all the things they learned at the avocado farm. Afterward, he said, you know, one of the reasons why we do this tour is so people can appreciate the difficulty of really growing this. People go to the grocery store and they're like, hey, how come this cost me three dollars for this little teeny avocado? How and come it's, how come uh, the guacamole is an extra two bucks? Exactly. On the burrito. Yeah. Hey, how long do you think it takes for one avocado once it becomes of you know a fruit to ripen how long from when it's a fruit to when like from like, once you pick it to when it's ripe oh no no uh once the flower cuz most you know fruits or vegetables whatever there's yeah. always a flower yeah. so the flower turns into the fruit okay so once it turns into the fruit like an apple right we're from massachusetts yeah apples you know right, right. so how long would it take for an avocado before it's ready to be picked see i don't know these things but i guess um i guess a typical cycle maybe like one to two months yeah i would have guessed something like that for an avocado nine to eleven months for one yeah for one to actually it has to be on the tree in good condition and before it can be picked and a particular avocado tree um it doesn't even produce anything for the first two years three years and then when it does it's not so good the ones that are five six seven eight years old that's where you're getting your good avocados and then there's of course disease or um insects or you know all the typical things which and they were i i took a picture of an avocado tree that was had an iv an actual iv plastic tubing where they were injecting it with um all natural um you know, water and nutrients because it was sick. And unless, so it was the coolest thing. And it's just, you don't think, oh, I'm going to Guatemala. I'm going to see all this high, like they know their stuff. Yeah. But they, but they know their stuff and they want to make it better. And they're just so hardworking and really intelligent. And I don't know, like you're saying, it's just good to expose yourself to as many new opportunities to learn and to see the world. I mean, yeah. So um, where was that a lot of your exposure to kind of like you were in a city, but yet you're talking about a lot of different experiences in the, in more of a rural or natural world. Um, so is that just goes to show about Guatemala and how it's very oriented with the environment or um, are the cities just not very developed? Well, I think the city's developed, but it does not compare to, say, Boston. You know, it's not on that side. Now, Guatemala City, which is where the airport is that we flew into, you know, that's more of your typical city city. But this is more of a, I mean, all the streets are cobblestones. You know, they're very narrow streets. There's a ton of ruins because um, back in the 1700s when the earthquake came, it was just rubble, you know, so there's plenty of places where um you can see a lot of ruins so it's it's not the city that you think of when you think of a city but it's um a community where they're all together 
for example, we went to this nice hotel. Just somebody said, oh, go, there's some ruins there. Well, this hotel, Santa Domingo, which it's named Santa Domingo after the church that was there years before. And when they started to build it, they found all these ruins, including the cemetery, including, you know, catacombs where yeah. priests had been buried. And there they are exposed. Um, so someone came back and said, oh, I went there, but I don't think I'd want to stay at that hotel. I mean, there's all these creepy bones everywhere. And, and you know, that's just, you know, she was just a little creeped out by it. But um, it's just so cool, all the things that, the history, it's so rich in history, I guess. And Yeah, and yet there seems like they're able to maintain an authenticity. And, um, well, I haven't been there, but it's just the way uh, you describe it seems like with the cobblestone, the ruins, seems like they maintained um you know some sense of authenticity with with the city and not really um really built it up into a more modern type which is interesting i think like that's that's something i also noticed in in valencia when i was there it was i mean it was a it was way different i'm thinking but just the way not only the buildings, but also the culture was kind of more authentic and less modern and fast-paced. True, because obviously I went and visited you for a week yeah. there, and it definitely is more of a city city yeah. in Valencia, but I agree that the focus is on the camaraderie and the people and the relationships. And it's yeah, just... You mentioned a, uh, a festival, um, and it seems like there's, a, there's always a lot of interesting uh traditions and festivals going on going on sure and and they are um i would have to say more noticeably religious and it's a pretty heavily catholic area um you know so they had feast days and um, for example actually the day i left yesterday the 15th was uh, it's the feast of the ascension of mary going to heaven and um guatemala city was closed Banks, everything. That was the holiday there. However, when I was in Antigua on the, um, July 25th was the feast day of Antigua. And they had a huge parade and all the schools participated. And it was just amazing. And all the legends um, of Antigua, it's just very rich in heritage. And they all portray all of these um, uh, legends. And one of them is the Lorena, Lorena, and it's the crying bride. I know that some of you, <laughs> Halloween is so funny. Like, oh, what did you go as? Oh, I went as a dead bride. You know, you you hear yeah, that yeah. all the time. And it comes from this history of the bride or the woman never thinking she's going to meet someone to love. And and so these kids were in the parade dressed in as brides, but they had the makeup, you know, the goth, the, yeah, the yeah. heavy makeup. And at one point, we're all watching this parade, and up from behind us, this young girl is like, rawr, rawr. she's like crying, you know, because she's the crying bride. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's where it comes from. I never knew. Up here in America, I see these kids at trick-or-treat time, and I'm like, why are they dressed like that? And it, it's this legend from way back. But So there's just cool um, heritage. There's also, you know, they speak Spanish, obviously. I went there to learn Spanish, but... There's actually like 24 different languages of the Mayan culture. And the indigenous people from Guatemala um, live up in the hills and the mountains. And um, that's amazing. Really amazing. The culture there. and Yeah, Maya, the Mayan culture and the Mayan people are not a dead culture. Not at all. Yeah. And even in the school system, um, they actually still um, teach one of those Mayan languages and um, to keep it alive. And um, there's only a few words that are actually common amongst all of those um, languages. But uh, we also had an opportunity to go to a cemetery, which you think, oh, why do you want to go to a cemetery? The cemetery is one of the most colorful places. Um, the tombs are painted all different colors, bright yellow, blue, green, pink, and the colors mean different things, like if someone is a child versus um, just different types of, like if it's a woman or a man. or um, But they also have these services 
by the, the Mayan services. And that's where you call on the spirits to help you because, you know, maybe your job, your, the shop you run, your tienda, you're struggling or, and you bring things to the, there was this like this open flame and they have this, um, person doing the service. Um, it was just amazing. It was a, it's a religious service, but it's this calling on the spirits for guidance and help. And it's definitely still very alive. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because those, you know, it seems like the way those cultures, it seems like although those cultures have kind of faded out, they're still like very respected, very, um, it's still a part of their culture in, in, um, in contrast to kind of our, the U S where we don't really learn anything about, you know, the native Americans that much and, and their language and their, I mean, we, we know about them and their history, but it's not the same. And they don't live among us really. Like in these, you can be walking down the street and they're, they're all around you. And, um, there's even a church we went into, a huge church, and the center aisle of the church is for Mayan services, where they have these um, uh, rectangular, um, concre- they're not concrete, but areas where, because they light fires, and they have all different colored candles, and the candles mean different things, but, um, and so we went into this church, and there were various Mayan um, people um, around those areas doing their praying, their prayers and their services. And then there were the Catholic uh, people on the sides of the church and doing their things. And it was just super interesting that this is a place where all is welcome. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me to think about that because, you know, it seems like those who... Uh, you know, when you think about a culture like the Mayans or Native Americans or a lot of indigenous populations, you don't think you think of their society or their culture a lot. The general consensus is is to label them as primitive or as, you know, something in that you know realm, whereas until you actually really understand it, it's hard to really, you know, put past judgment or, 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 you know, look down upon some certain practices because, you know, it seems like a culture like that has lasted for so long. They must be doing something right or they must have, you know, such a strong um, culture, you know. And a, a strong faith and a strong family community where you it's important to pass those things down to the next generation and um the focus the focus on the things that are truly important and uh, sharing that lifestyle i mean certainly uh, some people can get caught up in the material and other things you know go by the wayside but it certainly is it's it was really amazing to see i guess the best word i can think of is rich meaning it's so deep and um, it's just all encompassing and it's a, it's a faith they have. And, um, they're just, it's just incredible. And as far as primitive, I understand, um, how that perception, I, I understand that that is an, a perception, yeah. but it couldn't be further from the truth. And then you even look at the weaving they do for the, um, yeah. the clothing and it's so intricate and it's so spectacular. And at one point I was talking to one of the women making, making, um, some um linens for her table and she said the particular thing she was making takes 15 days and it was so intricate with the designs and everything and and you know we just take that for granted i think yeah the the skilled artisans uh have gone by the wayside and uh yet you know i feel like it might that might be coming around a little bit. It's kind of a counterculture in the sense that we want a lot more artisans coming back. But uh, yeah, it's cool um, to to experience that because 
that's in not just not just the Guatemalan culture, but also the Mayan culture within that is even more of like you said, like historic and rich. So um, I'm sure that was a cool experience. But um, are there any other um, interesting or you know s stories or or experiences that you thought um, you know you really took a lot out of? Um, while you were there well another thing that i took a lot out of was actually the people the other people that came to the school to learn oh right it was just amazing i am there from people a lot from, of countries yes um people from belgium and france and spain and canada and the u.s and um sweden there was a, a person from sweden who was super interesting to talk to um you know it's kind of humbling, I guess you would say, you know, I think sometimes, you know, in the U.S. you think, oh, yeah, we're this, we're a great country, which certainly we are. But then you meet these people that speak three or four languages already, and here they're coming to learn Spanish. And it's, I don't know, I'm always blown away by the people that can speak multiple languages and um, communicate with so many people. And I just... Yeah. I just think it's amazing. And just to hear their, you know, actually I was, I was going on a tour and I kind of introduced myself to these people. And one person said, oh yeah, I'm from Belgium. I'm a teacher. And the person next to her said, oh, I'm a teacher. I'm from France and I'm a teacher from Ma Massachusetts in Pretty the U.S. So, you know, obviously I guess we have more time in the summer. Right. Um, so that's probably one reason, but it was just super interesting. The w the woman from um, France, she said, "Oh, in the U.S., you don't you don't divide the way we divide." And I said, "We had this big conversation about division, and the was way she they." She a math teacher. Um, she was. She oh, was. Okay. And uh, it was just super interesting, and I I had to keep going with it, and I was like, "Well, show us, show me how you do division." And really, it is the same thing, but it's just they put the division bar on the opposite side or oh, whatever it's just a long division yeah for a long division it yeah. was just um but it's just interesting how people we talked about you know kids are still kids and math is still math and you know it's just yeah. super interesting and i guess you have more in common in that sense because you know if you're teaching math everything it's all pretty much the same across countries um especially you know you know as a at that level and you know what you're teaching um but i know if you were a different you know teacher it would be totally different like history the the history that we teach is going to be entirely different than what belgian or friends france right know? and even if they teach the same topic the spin they put on it could be completely different yeah um but we, I also met a girl, she's 21, she was coming from Kentucky her very first time, and she was just for like three or four weeks, and I was just amazed that young people traveling alone, inspired to learn Spanish, and to seek understanding about other cultures, and I just thought, wow, that's super impressive. And then I also met um, these two sisters, and one sister is now living in Honduras. Um, she's a nurse helping out at like a medvac type place. And um, her sister was from Washington State coming to visit. And we were like, wow, you're, you guys are like fluent in Spanish. And they said, oh, we l grew up in Washington, D.C. And our parents sent us to a bilingual school. And I was like, wow, that's great. You know, I wish I'd done that with my own sons, you know, because anytime you can help them out to have another leg up. I mean, now, th obviously, they have a leg up on being able to travel because if you can speak Spanish, so many countries speak Spanish. Um, the other thing, just there's just so many people and listening to like their stories about where they've traveled or it makes you think, though. It gives you perspective. You're like, wow, the world's pretty big. You know, there's um, so much out there. Right, because we met so many people, and all their stories were so different. And one one guy from um, Pennsylvania, he uh, 
left high school, ended up his his father's Italian and was from Italy, so his family's in Italy. So he on his own, his parents stayed in Pennsylvania. He went to Italy for two years in school. Now he's in Antigua for four weeks learning Spanish and he's going to college in Nicaragua in about a month. So it's a pretty cool story. And uh, it's just, you know, the world's out there and there's a lot to see. And I think bottom line, one of the coolest things is that we're all really the same. I mean, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants, you know, to be happy. Um, Everybody wants to feel useful and um, to make a difference. And it was super interesting to talk to different people and hear their stories. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, you know, when you're meeting different people, they share a lot about the, themselves. You you know, they're only um, they only see you for a brief amount of time, so you kind of get a sense of of who they are. It seems like when even in a place that's so, you know, there's so many differences, you see the similarities within that which is which is really cool and it makes you and it makes you um think about all the conflict that's around and all the you know the i don't know disagreements and and issues between you know differences and beliefs and things like that but when you go and you meet people who are different than you but are it, it re- you realize that it's like those are small differences when it, when it comes down to it. Absolutely. And um, when it's more the personal human part of it is those takeaways that will stay with you. Um, so it was really, I mean, it flew by. Um, I'm sure one month that can go by so quick. And anytime you travel, you know, there's always a little bit of nervousness and, oh my gosh, will this be all right? And first of all, just traveling, you know, through customs and a a place where you don't speak the language and, uh, you know, but you get acclimated and super nice people. And I was pretty sad, actually, the morning I was packing up. My ride was coming at 8.30 in the morning. And I went up to the terrace for like a last view of the volcanoes. And I was just like, wow, you know, I am sad. Yeah. I'm obviously super happy to see my family again, but you know, it, it, it does something to you. And, and it, it was just so peaceful and uh, joyful, I guess too. Yeah. I'm sure like the fact that you were able to have some time to, you know, just think about things, you know, it's nice to have that, you know, a little break in the sense that the, the normal complications of life aren't really you're those aren't in the front of your mind you know oh absolutely because first of all i stayed with they call it a homestay so i stayed in a room a bedroom at a house that someone a family owned and the mom there uh her name was gilda which in spanish they say hilda um and she cooked all my meals I didn't cook <laughs> anything at all. Nice. Um, three meals a day, um, except for Sunday. And she would just, Están listo? <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> so she'd be like, they say, you know, breakfast. And, or she'd ring a bell. And there are other people living, um, well, staying as I was. And they went to different schools or did different things. But so we'd all get together and we'd speak Spanish um, normally at the meal. And... Uh, it was just super interesting. And then she had family. She's has six of her own children who are grown, who she's got grandchildren now. But invariably, uh, they'd all be coming in at different times. And it was super interesting getting to meet them and uh, learn more about her. And super wonderful woman. Yeah. And then she cooked for us. And they have vegetables there that, I even asked some of the other people staying. I said, we don't have that in the U.S. Have you ever seen that in the U.S.? And it was there was this thing. It's kind of like a potato, but it's not. And um, so that was pretty interesting, too. So, Yeah, you know, now, like, you're able to, you know, get that, you know, stress-free. You don't have to worry about where, 
where what you're eating all that kind of stuff that's that's definitely clutch and then you know just having you know time for your time to yourself um so um overall really good experience seems like yes absolutely and uh, i mean do i speak spanish fluently no um but i definitely know that i am on my way and um but um by the way my brother your uncle um yeah he came for the first two weeks i kind of roped him in i knew shout out uncle danny (laughs) um yeah we he i convinced him to come with me he had been wanting to learn spanish and we actually were planning a trip to like Mount Rushmore and the Badlands for this summer. And then when I got wind of this trip to Guatemala, I'm like, oh, I got to convince him. I don't want to bail on him. And and he'd like to go. And so he came for the first two weeks. And obviously that made my life easier because I was with someone I knew. Right. Um, but uh, we had a we had a great time and, you know, we traveled. So there were three reasons I wanted to go. I wanted to learn Spanish. I wanted to travel. And I wanted to volunteer with people. And yeah. I got to do all of those things. And um, I couldn't stress about the Spanish. In other yeah. words, am I better than I was? Absolutely. Am I fluent? No. But I I know my kids at school are going to help me. I know they love, they love to get into that. And I think if I do a little bit every day, I'm definitely going to be able to talk to a parent when they come in for a parent meeting and, and talk about how their student is doing. I, I feel very confident that I could do that. I'm a little slow. Right. It, I'm not rattling it off as fast as the average person speaks, but I'll be able to get my point across. And I feel like that's a huge plus for me. Yeah, that's cool. So um, what's, what's the next place or mm. adventure? Well, that's a great question. Um, I don't know, but I yeah. know that there will be a next place. And that's yeah. the exciting part of it is <laughs> that um, you don't have to stay. And You got something look, to look forward to. Right. I mean, I'm, I just came out of this saying, yeah, see, I can do that. And um, it just changes you, yeah. I think. And it just opened for me. This, it's inspiring for me. It's inspiring to meet other people and see other lands. And I, I just think, like I, I was telling you earlier today, I never saw the TV. We I had a TV in my room. I never even turned it on. Yeah. And I just, I love that because I'm living life. I'm not watching right. someone tell me what to, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, and obviously, you know, you get in your day to day life and you're like, Hey, I need a break for an hour. I'm going to watch the show. And I get that. Um, but it was a soup, it was super, um, uh, inspiring for me to be somewhere where I was living my life. Like I have an hour off and I'm like, wow, what a beautiful sunny afternoon it is. I'm going to walk down to the park and I'd be at the park and I just sat there while I was watching like there's, Oh, aren't there pigeons at like every park. Right. And there are these pigeons and their feet. Of course, they're selling little feed for the pigeons. And all these kids are trying to catch them, you know, because, you know, when they start to fly off. And I just had a great time sitting there watching, you know, living life, I guess. And um, it seems like, uh, you know, the we all like it seems like what we were born, our natural instincts is to have new experiences in a way like we were you know we were a nomadic you know we like to travel we like to move place to place new experiences are are like embedded into that and um you know it's hard in in the u.s to be like oh okay i'm gonna hop around because that's a lot of work um but to be able to like it was a good excuse to be like, yeah, I'm going to Guatemala, like, cause we, I could, I could have an enriching experience in the U.S. in a different place, but people will be like, oh, you're just gonna go down and check out, you know, this area, but this, you know, because there are a lot of Spanish-speaking um, cultural areas in the U.S., but um, the fact that you're going to Guatemala is like gave you that, you know, 
excuse to kind of really step out um, of your day-to-day operation and and experience that. And I think that, you know, once you make the step, once you decide, okay, I'm going to go try this out, you always, it's always going to be a positive one, it seems like. Well, I think it's important that the earlier you start it, the easier it is. So um, I feel like, I mean, the very first time I went on a plane, I was 17. A lot of people have been on a plane before that. Yeah. Um, And I think the more you travel, the more you feel like it's a normal thing. But as far as seeing different things, I wonder if your listeners, how many people... Like I've grew, I've grown up in Massachusetts. I lived my whole life in Massachusetts, and how many times have I walked the Freedom Trail or gone to the Concord, uh, Lexington and Concord? Or there's so many wonderful things to do just in Massachusetts, just in New England, and and even if you don't want to go to another country that speaks another language, you can get a lot out of just going to another place and meeting with people and socializing and hearing about their stories and um obviously before i got married i traveled a lot in other countries uh but once i was married and had um children we picked places to go in the u.s and we had great experiences but it but all experiences get you more comfortable with going out of your comfort zone obviously your own home you're more comfortable in but and it's not for everybody, and I get that. But for me, is it's just yeah living my life. It's just an inspiring way to um, connect with humanity. Yeah. Well, um, if there's if there's nothing else or any other things you'd like to add, um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience. Um, I thought it was cool. I recommend it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. It, 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 I've always wanted to kind of check out that area because I took a lot of archaeology. I took an archaeology class, some Mayan art, and, um, you know, just general, like, ancient civilization courses when I was in, uh, in college. So it's definitely something I am looking to try to do, you know, and and you were able to check out those ruins, right? You got went to Tikal, right? Uh, no, we went oh. to the Copan ruins Copan in Honduras. Ruins. Okay, cool. So, cool. and they were unbelievable. And yeah. even um, Uncle Danny, when we were there, uh, commented like at the time that Rome, like we've gone, I've gone and seen the Colosseum in Rome and the ruins in Rome, but at that same time, this is happening in. Honduras and Guatemala yeah. and the Mayan race. Big structures. Huge structures. Yeah. And in fact, unbelievable how these archaeologists can uncover these and keep them intact. And and those are dedicated people, archaeologists. One, one area we looked at um, had crumbled and they it took them three years to dig it all up. And it took them like two more years to put it back together the way they thought it made sense. And that's just amazing. And just so intricate and intelligent, these people years and years and years ago, without electricity, without technology, and they made these um, intricate designs and statues and these hieroglyphs which told their history, it's just amazing to me the things that they were able to do and design and I was I was pretty blown away actually by that. Yeah, they they get pretty um uh, the Mayan art is is really really cool and uh really specialized and and very skilled craft. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm definitely uh I'll definitely keep it in mind. I actually saw a ball field. They call it a ball court in the Mayan uh, oh, I ceremonial. Know exactly what you're talking about. And they had these contests, and the macaws were actually like yardage markers. And obviously, they don't have yards, but you know, distance markers. And they have these battles, and they had a ball, and the ball was so many kilos, and um, really intense, you know, sport. 
Yeah. Um, however, one of the things that depending on the particular reason for the particular gain, the person who lost was often killed. killed. Yeah. And uh, but you know, way back then, sport. Yep. <laughs> but pretty crazy. That's uh, that's cool. Um. So. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It was super n- great to be back and um, travel, you know, or anything, whatever your passion is. Um, if you can take that leap out of your comfort zone and try to find. Um, yeah, sometimes it's nice to be out of your comfort zone. It doesn't feel right until you make the first step, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, but then once you come through to the other side and you're like, wow, this was an amazing thing. It's just so much more satisfying, I think, or enriching. Yeah, sometimes you need to push. I know a lot of, like, me, myself included, just, you know, just trying trying something else is, is the hardest part. You know, just writing the first sentence of the of the paper is right. tough. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, looking forward to hearing all hearing more about it in the future and uh thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right everyone, that was the interview with my mom Kathy Murphy. I thought it was interesting to see her take on Guatemala and everything. She really seemed enthusiastic and really enjoyed the experience traveling. Um and uh she focused in on traveling in particular as as something that is really beneficial um and kind of what we talked about that i thought was the main takeaway that i i saw was the benefit of just meeting new people in general it seemed like whether it's um the the host she lived with the tutor um, or the people she met along the way who are also tourists or, you know, you know, whatever it was, it seemed like the, those experiences uh, were the ones that really were interesting and she learned a lot from. And like she said, it, it made her realize, you know, the world's really big out there and we're all, we're all very similar. Um, when it comes down to our basic needs, emotions, uh, feelings, all that uh, kind of thing. So I thought that was really cool. And I guess so, something we all can take from it is that whatever it is that we we want to do or or we're interested in or, or something like that, um, it's important to, you know, take take a step towards that in 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 that direction um it could be anything you know um but it it's important to make that first step um and we also talked about how getting out of your comfort zone and just out of the day-to-day routine is important and it's it's very difficult because you know we schedule our time up to the brim nowadays and and there's so much going on but it seems like there are a lot of easy ways to really change um the daily routine and and it seems like that's something that really we get a lot of benefit out of um these new experiences so it doesn't have to be like a big vacation like it was for her in Guatemala but just whatever it is to break it up um you know there are so many different things out there and now with the internet it's so you have access to a ton of different ideas information clubs um you know volunteer opportunities all that kind of stuff so um i think that's really really cool um, and finally, for anybody who's interested in checking out the actual school or places she volunteered at, you can check out, I'll leave a few links for you um, 
on the website at www.theinspirewire.org. Um, so definitely check out that um, for her school, a uh, place she volunteered, and, and uh, I'll post uh, her Facebook. She posted a bunch of pictures in case you want to check those out. But, uh, yeah, so that's our show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.